Welcome to today's audio podcast, a sermon teaching from Grace Bible Church of Akron. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of GBC and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at gbcakron.org. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at gbcakron.org. That's I-N-F-O at gbcakron.org. Also, if you would like to support Grace Bible Church, you may do so by visiting gbcakron.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Well, good morning again. Thank you so much for being here, for joining us online. You know, we've been going through the fruit of the Spirit. There's nine fruit of the Spirit. And uh, when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, uh, the Holy Spirit Uh, begins to indwell in us, and what the Holy Spirit is trying to produce out of us are these nine character traits that we've been looking at in Galatians that the Bible refers to as the fruit of the Spirit. And in Galatians 5.22, it says it like this. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And we've made our way through this list, and this morning we're looking at the last one, self-control. I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, and it's just my personal opinion, that of these traits, the last three are the hardest, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of us would probably readily say that we could be better at self-control. Uh, And uh, it reminds me of a story I heard about a guy who went to see a psychiatrist and he sat down with the doctor and he said, doctor, I just don't know what to say except to tell you that I I keep doing wrong. I I just keep doing wrong. And the doctor looked at him and said, so you would like me to give you something that would give you more self-control? And he said, well, no, not really. What I would like for you to do is give me something that would weaken my conscience. And that's how we are a lot of times with our self-control. It's, it's not so much that we want more self-control, it's that we wish that things that bothered us would quit bothering us. But here's what happens. When God's Spirit indwells us, He immediately says, I'm not going to let you be happy doing things that hurt His name. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't find joy in our sins. Yes, if, if there wasn't some joy in sin, we wouldn't have a problem with it. it would, we, we would just not do it, right? We will find some temporary satisfaction in, in the things that we do that we know we shouldn't do. But when the Spirit of God lives inside of us, we can't, we can't stay happy. We can't, we can't experience real joy Because the Spirit of God is working inside of us saying, wait a minute, this, this is not right. Self-control, what it means is to control one's own desires, which would ultimately produce the right action. It it means to get a hold of something, to get a grip of it, to, to hang on to it until you control it. And a lot of times we have a hard time doing this to ourselves. 
We all want other people to display self-control. We all see those around us who sometimes lose their self-control and, and we're like, wow, they really need self-control. But, but we ourselves are, we, have a, we struggle with controlling ourselves. It's funny how parents try to control their kids when the kids clearly see the parents can't control themselves. It's true. It's true. And that's, that's, kind, of, that's kind of how it works. For us to best understand self-control, the Bible gives us an idea of what life is like without self-control. In Proverbs 25, 28, it says, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. So we don't build cities with walls anymore. So if we were going to translate this to the world in which we find ourselves living, it would be like building a city with no police force. And so, and so there's, there's no one there to keep order. There's no one there to exercise authority on what is right, what is wrong, what should be done, what can't be done. It's just not there. Well, that's what someone's life is like without self-control. There's, there's, there's no compass in, inside of them that, that's leading them in the right way. There's no order to their life. Galatians, uh, again, if we go back to Galatians, this passage of scripture that we've been looking at that describes these nine traits or tells us about these nine traits, just before this passage, Paul gives a pretty extensive list of what life is like for people who display no self-control. Look at what it says in verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. He goes on to say, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So a person that, that, that lacks self-control will find themselves falling in to some of these things that, that Paul has listed here that, that are just obvious. The, these things are wrong. It's just obviously wrong, but yet we can't keep ourselves from doing it. And, and what happens is there are some people in the world that, that when they don't have self-control and they embrace that which is wrong, they're brazen with it. You know, they flaunt it. They, 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 they have no shame about what they're doing that's wrong. Some people do that. But there are others like, well, like religious people. Religious people do this same stuff. It's just that, that we go to great lengths to cover it up so nobody can see it. And it still goes back to the same issue, lack of self-control. For instance, one of the things listed in here is envy. This morning, I envy Jason's shirt. <laughs> but you wouldn't know that unless I told you. And that's how we are with a lot of these sins that are listed here, especially for us that go to church. We know enough to know that if we're going to do these things, we better go to great lengths to cover them up. And it all sometimes boils down to 
self-control. People with self-control, they, they do three things. The first thing that a person with self-control does is that they accept responsibility for who they are. They accept responsibility for who they are. In 1 John, we find a passage here that says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we claimed we have not sinned, we make him, that being God, out to be a liar and his word is not in us. You see, a person with self-control knows and understands the greatest problem they have in life is their self. They are their greatest obstacle. A person that has no self-control cannot see that. It's, it's always someone else's fault, which is quite popular in our culture. It's quite popular to deflect everything that's wrong in our life and say it's somebody else's fault. If I had been raised better, or if I had a better job, or if my education had been better, or if I had better parents, or if I had better kids, or whatever. And, 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 and so we end up deflecting the things that are going wrong in our life, these behaviors that we know that we don't like about ourselves. We, we don't accept responsibility for who we are when we lack self-control. Instead, we look for someone else to blame. Well, if my first spouse hadn't done this. Or if, you know, my boss wouldn't talk that way. And so our bad behavior, instead of owning it, we, we just say, I, don't, I didn't do anything wrong. It's not my fault that I did that. It was their fault that that happened. And so they, they say, I'm, there's, I, it's, like, it's like what John is talking about here. I have no sin here. I have no sin in this area. It's, it's someone else's fault that I am the way that I am. And when we do that, we make God out to be a liar. That's what John was saying. John was saying, listen, if, if, if you and I, if we're looking at our lives and we're evaluating who we are, okay, who we are on the inside, if we're evaluating who we are and we look at ourselves and we say, who I am is, it's not, I, I didn't do this to me. Somebody else did this to me. And so I'm not wrong. I'm the product of somebody else's wrong then we make God out to be a liar. And, and we become enslaved to those things because we will not own who we are. Another thing that, 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 that people with self-control, people with self-control accept responsibility for what they do. It's not that they just accept responsibility for who they are. They accept responsibility for what they do in life. Jesus told a story about accepting responsibility. We call it the parable of the talents, and, and it's, not, it's not like uh, America's got talent, talent. A talent in the Bible is, is, was money. It was, it was a bag of gold. But 
for those of us that have been in church a long time and are familiar with this story that Jesus told, we just, we call it the parable of the talents. But it's found in Matthew 25, and I want us to read part of the story. We don't have time to read the whole story this morning, but, but there's a nugget in this story about taking responsibility. Look at what Jesus said in the story. He said, again, it will be like a man uh, going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey, and the man who had received the five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. So you understand what's going on. This, this, uh, this owner, this, this wealthy person, he's going off on a journey. He has some people that work for him. They're called servants here. He gives to each servant according to their ability what they can do with his resources while he's away. And the guy that gets five bags of gold, well, he doubles that. The guy that gets two bags of gold, he doubles that. But the guy that got one bag of gold, he went and hid it, dug it in the ground, and simply simply returned back to the master what was his to begin with. And so this master comes back and he comes to settle accounts with them. And this is what happens in the conversation between the master and the guy who had one bag of gold. Look at what it says. Then the man who had received the one bag of gold came Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Do you notice what happened here? Why did this servant do what he did? Because of the master. He, he looks at the master, he looks at his boss, and he says, the reason I did what I did was because of the way you are. Which is pretty popular right now in our culture. Why, why did you do what you did? Well, I responded this way because you did this to me. Why does road rage happen? Somebody's, somebody says, I just lost control. Why? Well, that person cut me off. If they hadn't cut me off, I would have had good behavior. Do you see what I'm saying? And so, and so what happens, someone with self-control, not only do they accept responsibility for who they are, they accept responsibility for what they do. They're not into blaming other people for the way they're behaving. In other words, when they find themselves in a conflict and they lose control in a conflict, yes, they might say that person may be angry, but I take responsibility for the foul language I use. That, that's on me. That's not on them. I did that. Do you follow? A person with self-control understands and, and takes responsibility. We, we get it all wrong, okay? We, and, and I mean, I've done this. We've all done this. But a lot of times we, we look at children and we ask them, what are you going to do when you grow up? You know what? That's the wrong question. 
It's who are you going to be when you grow up? Who are you going to, what kind of person are you going to be when you grow up? Are you going to be one that accepts responsibility for who you are and what you do? Because those people are lacking in the world. Not, 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 not just, I mean, they're, they're lacking even in the church. So many times I hear people inside the church, and have been guilty of it myself, of deflecting. I didn't do what I said I would do because of X, Y, or Z. Instead of just owning it. Instead of just saying, you know what, I didn't, I didn't, I flaked. I didn't do it. People with self-control, they accept responsibility for who they are. They accept responsibility for what they do. But here's the third thing about someone with self-control. Someone with self-control, they accept accountability. They accept it. Now, notice, I didn't say they liked it. I said they accept it. I don't know that anyone likes being held accountable, but people with self-control accept that they're being held accountable. Colossians 3.16 says this, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. That word admonish, it means to caution or to reprove. It's the idea of Someone is warned about something in counsel. Someone, someone gives good advice, but, it's, but it stings a little bit. And someone, someone who has self-control, listen, when, when they're being held accountable, they, one, they may be ashamed. They, 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 it may have been a blind spot. Maybe it's something they didn't see. Maybe... Maybe it does upset them. Maybe, maybe they might even get angry. But you know what? They're not offended by it. They're not offended that someone held them accountable for whatever failure that they may have had. People with self-control, this is, this, this is how you know when someone has self-control. If someone, if someone comes to them and they say, hey, I've noticed this, or hey, you did this, and it hurt me or it hurt others or, or whatever, however that tough conversation goes, a person with self-control will never say, well, who are they to judge me? And that's a favorite. That's a favorite among us who don't have self-control. When someone comes to us and, and they point out something in our life and, and, and we walk away saying, well, who are they to judge me? A person with self-control will not say that. A person with self-control will understand that that you know what, I'm not perfect and maybe, maybe, maybe I do need to learn something here. Maybe there is something that I need to know about, a blind spot that I have, or, or I did something and I didn't know I hurt them and I, I'm not taking responsibility for it because I didn't know I even did it. But now that I know, 
People with self-control, they respond differently to things like this. Now, how is it that we practice self-control? I mean, I've talked a little bit about what self-control looks like, and if I don't know, I, when I read that list and I look at it, I think, wow, I don't know that I'm very good at self-control sometimes. Taking responsibility for who I am, taking responsibility for what I do, accepting accountability, those, those are things that, well, really mature people in the Lord do those things well. They do those things well. So if, if, if we're looking at self-control and we're saying, I, I, I want the Lord to develop more self-control inside of me, well, how, does, how does that happen? How, how, do we, how do we cooperate with him so that he can develop self-control inside of us? I would say, first of all, that it starts with the right motivation. It starts with the right motivation. I want to I tell you something. If you're going to practice self-control in your life, we have to be motivated to do it for the right reasons. And, and you know what? If you, if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, all right? If you're asleep, wake up to hear this. You can go back to sleep when this, after this is said. That's true for here and at home, okay? Here, here's here's what, what I, the motivation behind self-control. Self-control is not for you. It's not for you. And in our world, many times when we talk about self-control, we're talking about the idea of, well, what can I do to better my life? That's why I need self-control. If I have self-control, I can be a better student. If I have self-control, I could be a better employee. If, if I have self-control, I could be a better husband. Listen, all of those things are byproducts of self-control, not the goal of self-control. Self-control is not about improving yourself. Self-control... We use that to please the Lord. And we, we use that, we let that be developed inside of us so, so that the Lord can be happy with us and so that people around us can benefit from our self-control. Because when we don't have self-control, it's the people around us that get hurt. So, so the right motivation for self-control is, is, is to say, Lord, I... I want self-control so I can please you, not so I can make a better version of me. Does that make sense? And, and so, and so we got to get the motivation part right. And, and in fact, if you were to look at any of these character traits, all nine of them that we looked at, that's the right motivation for all of them. When, when we look at this list and we, and we say love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, oh, we, we see all of these things listed here and we say, oh, I want to be like that. For whom do you want to be like that? Is it just for you? So, so you can walk away saying, boy, I'm a good person. Or, or do we do this so that, so that one day when we stand before the Lord, he can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You worked and you allowed me to work inside of you. 
We've got to get the motivation right. Biblical self-control is for God's glory, not our glory, not for ourselves. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for yourself. Is that what it says? No, as, as working for the Lord. And, and that's even true when it, when it comes to these character traits, and it's especially true when it comes to this idea of self-control. The second thing that, that you and I need to know is, is that if we're going to practice self-control, we, we have to believe and know that Christ will provide a way to succeed. He'll provide a way to succeed for you and I to practice self-control. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And many times, the way out is self-control. And saying, Lord, I, I, you got to help me here. And he will. He will. And so, I, you know, again, I, I realize that, that when we talk about self-control, a lot of times we think of things, we think of habits, we, we think of, of, of uh, traits within our personality that have been there our entire life. And we say, I, I can't change. Quit trying to change. Let him change you. It's no longer about you trying to make you a better person. It's about him making you a better person for him. And you and I cooperating with that. And it will require a lot of humility on our part. A lot of of, of a willingness to say, Lord, I will do whatever you say I need to do to display self-control. And he changes our habits. You know, the, the one thing that comes to mind most quickly to me is that Years ago, I did this. I, I just, I said, Lord, I am no longer going to watch TV after Cherry goes to bed. Just not. I'm not going to do that. So for years, when Cherry says, I'm going to bed, I turn TV off and I go to bed. Now, what, what, I, what, what, what happened inside of me was that, that, that now, now because I'm willing to cooperate with the Lord in doing that, well, I'm displaying self-control because I'm not, I'm not being lured into watching things that I shouldn't watch. Because I won't watch it in the room with Jerry. It's like having the Holy Spirit there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You guys, I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to do that. But do you see what I'm saying? When, when, we, when we allow ourselves to fall under 
his influence. We do change habits, but those habits are changed by him, not by us. I would have never had the thought of, we'll just go to bed when Jerry goes to bed. I firmly believe that was a thought that came from the Lord. And, and what a simple thing to do, right? I mean, it's just, okay. That's, God always provides a way out. He always, and it would not be something that necessarily you would think of. And, and, and at first glance, at first thought, you might think, well, that's crazy. I don't want to, I, I, that, just follow him. Just follow him, see what happens. What you got to lose? Nothing and everything to gain by following the Lord. The third thing that I'd like to point out about practicing self-control is that you start small and specific. So don't try to tackle all of your self-control issues at once, all right? If you're an alcoholic, overweight, hooked on pornography, have foul language, I mean, if that's your life, don't try to cover all of them at one time. Pick one under the direction of the Lord. Pick one thing and start there. Say, Lord, this is where I want you to develop self-control in me. Help, help me here. And what you will discover is that as you gain self-control in one area, it will bleed into other areas. But start with one. Too many times we look at our life, especially when we're looking at something like self-control, and, and we're, if we're being honest with ourselves, if we're going to... Now, some of us in, in here and some of us watching online, this is, we're, we're kind of oblivious as to what's being talked about here because we still haven't got to the point that we're, that we're going to take a responsibility for who we are and for what we've done. And see, if you can't take responsibility for who you are and for what you do, then this other stuff doesn't make any difference anyway. You're still playing the blame game. You're still blaming somebody else for why you are the way you are. But for those who, who, who have self-control and want to practice self-control, they understand that, that you know what, I, I got a lot of things in my life that aren't right. I, I, could, I could display self-control in multiple areas, and it becomes overwhelming. None of us are perfect. None of us will ever be perfect. So with the Lord's help, pick one. Pick one area and say, Lord, here, here is where I would like you to give me self-control for your glory and for the people around me. Will you help me here? It's not even about me, Lord. It's about what you want out of me. And you start small. You start specific. I want to tell you something. Ephesians 5 says it this way. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. A fool thinks they can fix everything. And they're typically relying upon themselves to try to do it. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Listen, you and I have a responsibility to seek the Lord and say, where do you want me to change? Where, do, where is it that you want me to start growing? 
and figure out what the Lord is impressing upon your life. And you start there. You start following right there. And you'll be shocked at how it bleeds into the other areas of your life. Now listen, I'm going to tell you something. If, if, you've, if you've got a habit, and you've had this habit for 10 years, chances are real good it's not going to go away in 10 minutes. Or 10 days. It might in 10 months if you really follow the Lord. It might not. The struggle that you and I have is that many times we just give up. We give up on these issues and we just say, well, I can't change. It can't be any better. I, I can't do anything any different. I'm just going to have to be who I am and everybody else is going to have to deal with it. That's not the way the Lord has asked us to follow him. Most of us sitting here, when it comes to a self-control issue, it's one or two things. Here it is. As you're sitting here right now, you see, I believe, I believe the Spirit of God's already speaking to you, speaking to people online. You already know in your life right now what one of two things, what needs to be dropped out of your life or what needs to be added to your life. Because it's not always about dropping something. Sometimes it's about adding something. Some of us sitting here through self-control just need to start reading our Bible more. I mean, that's it. I, I don't need to drop anything. I need to add something. Some, some of us here, it's not, about, it's not about dropping something in your life. It's about adding the right commitments in your life. And, and so we, we have to discern with the Lord, which is it? Lord, are you trying to take something out of my life that shouldn't be there? Or Lord, are you asking me to add something to my life that's not there? And Lord, help, help me for your name's sake, for your glory. Change me. The other thing that we have to do, people with self-control understand that they have to start today. They have to start today. You can't wait. That's, that, I don't know. I don't know what happened to us. We, we stop thinking that that what the Lord impresses upon our heart is something we need to do immediately. That if it's really from the Lord, well, you know what? I can do it when I get ready to. Or I can do it when conditions are better or when things are better. And, and, and the idea is, is that when the Lord impresses something upon our heart, we, we are supposed to do that today. I, I, don't, I don't know about you, okay? Um, but for me, sometimes the very best ideas I have, they come to me when I'm in the shower. <clears throat> don't know why, okay? I don't know why it happens there. I, I shower in the morning, not in the evening. In the evening, I'm not thinking at all, okay? But in the morning is when I'll have a, a really good thought. Maybe that happens to you too, a good idea, or at least it feels like a good idea. 
And then as you, as, as you have that idea and you, 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 know, you get done with your shower, you get out, you start drying off, you're looking in the mirror and you're putting everything back together and you're, you're doing all the stuff that you have to do. Somewhere along the way, that great idea kind of loses its glamour. And you begin to think, yeah, I can't do that. I can't do that right now. That would rock everybody's boat. That would rock my boat. I've got too many responsibilities. I've got too many irons in the fire. I, I can't do that. And you know what? A lot of times, that's right. You can't. It was just a, a fleeting thought that you had in the shower. But here's the thing. I think what happens a lot of times in an environment like this, when, when we're listening to the Lord, we're, we're listening to what he has to say to us as we're, as we're in his word and, and we're with people or we're watching online and we're, we've devoted ourselves to hearing from the Lord at this time. And, and while this is happening, we have ideas. Things pop into our head that wasn't there throughout the week. And we think, oh man, I should do that. And if it's an idea that, that humbles you before the Lord, if it's an idea that, 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 that puts you in a place of, of making some kind of change that, that, that's under his direction, many of us, we, we treat that idea just like we treat the idea in the shower. We wait for the service to end, we get up, we walk out, and as we walk out, that idea fades. And we don't act on it. We, we, don't, we don't follow through. And, and it was just an idea. Folks, if we don't start responding to the Lord, we're not, we're not really worshiping him. I mean, if we're not doing anything he lays upon our heart to do, if we're not following any ideas that he's giving us, if, if every response we have to a move of God in our life is, I'm going to pray about it, if, if, that, if that's our response every time God speaks to us, let me tell you something, we're not worshiping him. And people with self-control, when what, what happens to, to, to me and to you, the, the, way, the way the Lord jumpstarts self-control in our life is that we just do it. We start. He, he impresses something upon us, and we don't argue, we don't debate, we don't rationalize it away. We say, doggone, I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to do that. And self-control begins to develop because he is spurring that inside of us and we are responding to him but we are so reserved we are so afraid that we're going to make a mistake we're so afraid that somebody's going to see something or say something or we're so afraid that somebody's going to going to see that, that that we got a problem in our life that we've been trying to cover up can I just tell you something we all see your problems we all see them already Many times it's just us. We can't see ourselves. And people with self-control see themselves. 
and they respond to the Lord. Look at what Psalm says. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God. We are the people He watches over, the flock under His care. If only you would listen to His voice today. The Lord says, don't harden your hearts. Listen, is God speaking to you about something? I believe he is. It doesn't mean you need to do something public, but there may be to be something you need to do. You need to add something to your life today. You need to take something out of your life today. And you start today. And if you don't, the psalmist says we're just hardening our hearts to him. Because let me say, God's not obligated to us. He's not obligated to speak to us over and over and over again. If, if, if he impresses something upon us and we don't act on that, thinking that, oh, maybe next, let's see if it happens next week. May not happen next week because he's not obligated to keep coming back, begging us, pleading with us, try to add something to our life or take something out of our life no once is enough and once is all we're guaranteed and the question becomes will you start today with whatever he's impressed upon your heart I want to leave you with this, this prayer simply says father develop self control in me I humble myself before you. I confess I need to quit something or start something, whatever it is that he's impressed upon your heart. And it needs to start today. I do not want to harden my heart when I have heard your voice. I love you. I want to please you. I will cooperate with the work you are doing in my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Can that be your prayer today? Or will we harden our hearts? Don't be afraid to act on what the Lord impresses upon your heart. Trust Him. Trust Him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your Word, for what it says. Lord, as we leave this place, may we act upon what You have said to us. Lord, I, I know each person here, they're, they're, they're not here by mistake. Father, I know that. Those watching online, they weren't watching by mistake. You had something you wanted to say today. The question is, Lord, will we hear? Will we act? Lord, help us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being at Grace Bible Church. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.